0: Today's special guest, a great Canadian quarterback who starred in the CFL, Frank Cosentino, author, scholar, a terrific coach. Joe Kelly's great Canadian sports show coming up. Welcome to the program. Today we have on the show one of my heroes when I was growing up. He was born and raised in Hamilton. He led his Western Mustangs to the CIAU title. He played 10 CFL seasons for Hamilton, Edmonton, and Toronto. He won a couple of Grey cup titles with the Ticats, a rarity, a Canadian-born starting quarterback. He coached at Western and York. He won two Vanier Cup titles. He has a PhD, Professor Emeritus, and Senior Scholar Chair of Physical Education at York University, formerly written 18 books, four of them on the CFL. He is a member of McMaster, York, Western, and OUA Halls of Fame. And in 2018, he was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Frank Cosentino. Frank, good to have you here. Well,
1: good. Thank you very much, Joe. uh, Thanks for the recognition. That's great.
0: We try to we try to set it up as best we can. Uh, I want to. Say, we always like to begin right at the very beginning. And the first thing I want to ask is, how do you, do you end up playing quarterback?
1: Oh well, good question. Um, you know, I I when I went to Cathedral High School in Hamilton, and uh, I had played one year of. Uh, bantam football in hamilton the hamilton old, old boys started a league there and i played as an end uh, in that in that milieu and then i went and i didn't think much about it because uh, baseball was my game at that time um, i was 13 years old and went out and played peewee baseball Uh, Russ Jackson was a member of that team and Cal Connors who went on to uh, Queen's University as a quarterback too. Uh, I went to Cathedral and tried out for the football team uh, twice and was cut and but I went out as I didn't know what position to play or anything like that
2: and then uh, in grade 11-12 um the the
1: coach at the cathedral was uh moving on to massachusetts larry sullivan and uh he heard that i was a pitcher and had a strong arm and his quarterback was getting out of the way uh graduating and so he asked me if i'd like to try out as a quarterback so i did i went down into the cafeteria with a center and was taking balls from him and then sullivan as i said went to boston and dick ty came to cathedral as a coach and uh i wasn't really interested in school that much uh you know i'd rather play sport but then somebody told me well you know yes you're not going to be able to play so i really just made that much effort to pass my exams to get on to the next grade and so I could play football. And then when grade 13 came along, um, John Metris uh, came by to the house. He had watched me play. Uh, Cathedral had won a championship. Uh, he wanted me to go to Western and I had a couple of offers, scholarship offers from Uh, the States um, and also was uh, getting some attention from baseball scouts. And uh, uh, anyways, to make a a long story shorter, I went to Western and uh, the same thing. The first year I I played in Western, uh, my grades were really poor. And I had the Dean of the college uh, Monsignor, Monsignor Wemple called me into his office and in effect said I was an athletic bum. And if I didn't shape up and sharpen up with my classes, that'd be the end and no more football. So, gee, for the next six weeks, I got up early in the morning, went down to the library, transcribed some notes and and, and really emphasized what I was doing, so that when the exams came up, I passed, and then I found out I liked school and uh I went into business school and from that point uh let's a quarterback for Mustangs drafted by Hamilton, and went on uh seven years in Hamilton in and and one with Toronto, and enjoyed every minute of it.
0: Well, you mentioned you were you're recruited by J.P. Metris and then uh, uh, you had a pretty good stint there at Western, winning a pair of Yates Cups, and of course, your last game, uh, you quarterbacked the Mustangs to the first ever CIAU championship. Um, we have some some uh, pictures from here. You go some video.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, it was a good. Uh had
1: a, a, a number of players on that uh 1959 team and uh i, I think the first four of or, or the first five people were uh drafted by the cfl and uh i went on to hamilton lionel conacher and miko plisiani went down to montreal and bill mitchell out to vancouver and uh it, it was really a, I guess uh a, a recognition of what coaching at western could do I, I had also been recruited by queens university and uh i was seeing dr jim charters who went to uh become went on to become the uh, tiger cat doctor and uh he wanted me to go to queens and uh he got pretty upset i think that the fact that uh i was going to western but other than that, uh, everything was smooth. Everything was was great.
0: You got drafted by Hamilton, and uh, of course, you your uh, quarterback uh, mate there was uh, Joe Zuer, a uh, pretty good quarterbacking ta- uh, tandem. And uh, tell us about uh, your your years with Hamilton and 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 winning the Grey Cup.
2: Well, the um, you know, as you've already kind of alluded. Being a Canadian
1: quarterback was uh, a dangerous position on a football team because I was a little bit lucky. I think uh, uh, the previous quarterback from 1969, uh, 1959, was retired. So they went for a, a, a Canadian quarterback um, backup. And Bernie Filoni, of course, was the quarterback at that time, and there was no one going to take his uh, position and and so i really i I think for 1960 i didn't get off the bench Uh, i might have maybe had three times when i uh took the snap in a game during that that year but then i uh i put on about 20 pounds of weight and i still remember 1961 um, i went to the training camp and was walking down the hall and Jim Trimble, the coach was coming towards me. And he stopped and he said, Frank, is that you Frank? Because I had put on, as I say, I went from 175 pounds to 195 pounds. So I got a little more playing time in, uh, in the 61 season, but Bernie was still the main quarterback. 62 came along and- uh, A man from Western Ontario. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go on now or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. That's just uh, some natural sound for the video, right? That's great.
1: Okay, so... Here you are with the
0: Ticats.
1: 62 was the year that Joe Zuger came, and uh, Joe ended up playing defensive back, and Bernie was still the number one quarterback, and I was the backup. And basically what happened was... uh, Oh, about five games into our season, we went to Edmonton and Bernie uh, tore a cartilage and uh, had to be pulled out. And we were playing Edmonton as, as a matter of fact, at that time, and we were behind Edmonton. And uh, it was one of those weekends where you played a double header and we were heading on to BC. But anyways, I wanted in for At quarterback, when Filoni got hurt, we were behind uh, the quarterback, the winning touchdown. And we moved on to Winnipeg, or to uh, Vancouver, I'm sorry. And it turned out that uh, Joe Restick, who was the assistant coach at that time, sat me down, uh, made the defense uh, less cumbersome than what it was. And I started. Uh, I started the first game, uh, and we ended up winning uh, against Vancouver, and that was really the first time that that people out west, for sure, uh, knew that I was quarterback with Hamilton, and came back to Hamilton, uh, started three more games, and then Joe, uh, who had um, now had. Who had become a quarterback, and so August—I uh, think it was August 15th, anyways—Saskatchewan came into Hamilton, and and uh, Joe threw eight touchdown passes. I threw two touchdown passes, and, and against uh, uh, a, t- a team in Saskatchewan that was kind of uh, banged up after their their weekend, and then uh, so Joe started. Um, the rest of the season and in the great cup um well the great cup was a 62 game and that was the uh, the game where the fog bowl rolled in and um, right yeah the second day i ended up playing we were behind but we couldn't uh catch up with that and then joe and i just uh, kept going um uh, right through to 66 and wasn't a competition as much as uh, we were helping each other out because uh, we were both kind of learning as we went along as to what the coaches wanted and what we could do and uh I, i enjoyed playing with joe very much and and still keep in touch with him
0: you know, uh, when I, uh, so I was a kid growing up in Edmonton and a uh, member of the knothole game, me and my buddy, uh, Rod White, we went to every single Eskimo game as a Woodward's knothole gang. I think it was like, I want to say 75 cents or a dollar to join. And then 75 cents or a dollar a game, I think, you know, and, uh, yeah. just loved, uh, going, I went to every single game and I loved it when it, when a Canadian quarterback joined my Eskimos, uh, at back, you know, at 67, I think it was, and, uh. Um, uh, you had a really good year in 67. Uh, I remember the, one of the, one of the offensive options, of course, was handing the ball to Jim Longon Thomas, right? There was, uh, uh, he was a yeah. great running back. Um, you also had some targets, uh, Randy Kerbo, Gary Lefave, uh, Joe Hernandez. You passed for 1,936 yards in 1967. Um, uh, you had a really good defense that, that forced 52 turnovers that year. Uh, team went nine, six to one. Now, uh, tell us about your, your time with Edmonton because I'm pretty sure I stood outside the dressing room and got your autograph along with a lot of other guys.
2: <laughs> oh, well, I, I, <clears throat> I
1: know you were from Edmonton, went to the University of Alberta as, as did I. But yeah, 67, I think was a pivotal year. Um, there was a big trade between Hamilton and Edmonton. Uh, Tommy Joe Coffee was uh, mm-hmm. s- sent to Hamilton. Uh, and of course, the Edmonton fans probably were really upset because uh, coffee was the number one guy out in Edmonton at that time. Um, but I was traded to Edmonton. And also, Don Southern uh, was part of the package, but Southern didn't want to go to Edmonton. And so he decided a deal would be worked out with Ottawa. And he went to Ottawa, and uh, Hamilton ended up with uh, uh, a big offensive, or or Edmonton ended up with a big offensive uh, tackle. And uh, 67, uh, Terry Baker had, had won the Heisman Trophy four years earlier. And had played with Los Angeles Rams, and he was also signed by Edmonton. And I think what what Edmonton was expecting was that Baker would be the first-string quarterback, and I would be a, a backup. But all through uh, training camp, and then into the season, and right into uh, I think the tenth game of the season. Um I had started all the games and our and our record the previous year Edmonton was six, nine, and one. And uh I I had in my contract that if if I if the team had a better record than that, as and my quarterbacking was a significant part of that, uh I'd get an extra two thousand dollars for that. And Norm Kimball, Trudeau's were backed that up, and I ended up getting that. But getting back to Terry Baker, uh, Montreal was coming into Hamilton, Montreal was in last place. And for some reason, uh, Neil Armstrong took me out of the starting positions for that game, because I guess they wanted to see what Baker was capable of and uh, whether he was going to be earning his money with them. And they won, uh, Edmonton won. And I I wasn't miffed or anything like that. The next game we played against Calgary and Baker started again, but the problems came up and then I was sent in uh, as a relief quarterback and uh took the team from behind and we won that game and as you mentioned so we ended up with nine six and one and made the playoffs for the first time in three or four years now we lost the playoff game in uh in saskatchewan and uh actually uh baker didn't play the next year Uh, um he played half the playoff game as well but it was a it was a a, a good team. Uh, you've mentioned some of the players. I think uh long gone Thomas was was kind of a he could he could bail out a quarterback anytime because uh, he had great speed and he always wanted to run the ball. We had Art Baker as a fullback on defense, uh, Legron, uh and, oh yeah yeah they were they were some good players, and as you say, the not whole gang down in in Edmonton and Clark Stadium and so on uh was just terrific but halfway through the uh the
2: next season sixty eight um, we were kind of having rough spots, and
1: uh, one of the reporters made mention of it. I was getting some pretty bad press from Wayne Overland in the in the, in the journal.
2: Mm-hmm. But any, mm-hmm. but anyways, um, uh, Neil Armstrong
1: and Ray Young decided to call all the plays and send the plays in to me. And we had a terrible game. And so after, after the, <laughs> the game was broken, I made the mistake of saying, well, at least I know it's not my play calling because every one of those plays came in from the bench. Well, that was it. I didn't, I didn't play another game until the playoffs when we were playing Calgary again. I was sitting on the bench, team got behind, and uh, I went in and threw a touchdown pass, made it a little closer, but uh, then I was traded to uh, Toronto, and uh, it was kind of interesting because I I was keeping a pace with uh, Ralph Goldston, who played with Hamilton, but now was an assistant coach with with Montreal. And he was keeping me busy. He said, look at you're on the trading block and we're trying to get you. So I didn't say anything, but, but I was surprised when uh, Leo Cahill came across and decided to trade for me, they sent Alan Irwin out to Edmonton, and uh, I came into Toronto, where I had the most great experience of my playing career. There, I just uh, it was a great bunch of guys started off uh, going on strike over uh, training uh, training camp prices and things like that. And Leo Cahill, uh, a great guy to play for.
0: That was just before the uh you know the the leon McQuaid fumble uh great cup and all that you know that was uh, just before that but all those guys were there so you mentioned leo what was he like to what was he like to play for
1: well you know he, he uh, i th- i think he was terrific and I'll mention a little anecdote in a minute but uh Cale got it across that most of the guys on the team were rejects with other team. They had been shipped off because they thought that they couldn't do anything with these guys. You know, you had a guy like Bobby Taylor, uh, who, who, who was provocative all the time and everything like that. And di- different guys, uh, myself included, coming and being traded and Paul Markle coming from, you know, But, but anyways, uh, Leo fostered that to get people working in the same direction. And uh, we didn't, we got into the playoffs. We ended up, uh, and we played uh, Ottawa in 69 in the, in the big four finals, uh,
2: the Eastern conference finals, Mm -hmm. and we won the first first game by eight points. And, uh. And Leo made the great quote uh, that only an act of
1: God can stop us from winning going on to the Great Cup. And we down, we went down to Ottawa, it was two games total point. Down to Ottawa, it rained, it sleeted, it snowed. Uh, and then on the Saturday, Ottawa had their broomball shoes. We had our, our cleats who were sliding all over the place. And Russ had a good day and and uh uh i i guess i guess uh i don't I don't know where God was. I think he was there, but
2: uh, <laughs> yeah but it
1: was a great place in one of those streets it's just like Leo said about McQuay, uh mc- McQuay slipped, and I fell, you know yeah.
0: Leo had some great quotes. He was he was one of a guy in that's for sure. Yeah. The uh, yeah that that's that's funny how he, he tried to motivate you guys. And Russ Jackson, what what are the chances of you and him being baseball mates, uh, teammates, and then both turning out as as uh, probably the last two regular season starting quarterbacks that we've seen in the CFL, the regular court starting quarterbacks we've seen in the CFL that were Canadian born and raised, for yeah. you know forever yeah yeah
2: and, i
1: and i think uh this year british columbia has signified that uh, or signaled that uh, they were going to go with two canadian quarterbacks this year and not bring in any americans or if they brought in americans uh, they'd have to beat out the canadians which is kind of uh, a novel idea these days
0: well yeah well, I want to get into the uh, the CFL and the quarterback and Canadian quarterbacking situation later that's great um, cuz uh things that's good really good news actually um but you after your playing career you got into coaching and of course the first uh, first stint was back with your alma mater the uh, Western Mustangs and and uh, uh you know it, it was good you won cups in in 71 and 74 what stands out the most about those uh, uh those Western Mustangs teams that you coached in the early seventies
2: yeah well it, it um it it was a new experience for me i i, I
1: really felt blessed in a way that uh, I had had s- some good coaches in my career, some poor coaches in my re- career, but I had the chance to kind of pick and choose from what I thought were the good things and uh you know for example in hamilton uh I, had Jim Trimble, and then later on, uh, Ralph Sergio, uh Neil Armstrong at, uh, at Edmonton, and uh, the, the players I knew who, who kind of had a way about themselves of uh, being able to get the message across it, that, that you had to keep focused and all that. But when I got to Wester, uh, and of course having a coach like john metris um i i think the first year I, was 1970 and I had 19 freshmen i think on the team and all i wanted was to have a a, um, a winning season and I, you know i didn't expect anything else but that was the goal that we were going to set each other and uh it it, it was uh I don't think I went through the whole season, the whole time I was a coach where I blew a whistle. I wanted to get their attention as people and, and that they were fully involved with and I was fully involved with. And I didn't want this kind of whistle that uh, as soon as you blew it, everything stopped. And, uh, and generally speaking, I tried to get across the point that this is their team uh it's up to them to put in as much as they could to make it the team that they want all i had to do was to try to create an environment so that they could uh come through with with whatever their their uh, position was and whatever their 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 goal was Um, i remember for example uh, a young fellow jimmy budge from uh, Mississauga uh, or from Scarborough, I guess. But anyways, he came in his first year and really 18 years old, it was gung-ho, just really interested in what was going on. And we played a game and he he loved to be assertive and he fumbled the ball while he was trying to uh, catch it on the run. And uh, I, he was coming off the field and his head was down and everything like that. And so as he was going by me, I stopped and looked at him in the eye and said, look, that happens to a lot of people. I'm really glad to see that you thought you could do it. All you have to do now is keep concentrating and it'll eventually come around. And I could see that he was jacked up, that they they really liked uh, positive input. And so I tried to be like that. And actually, I got that from having a, a son is our first child. Um, when when our son was, was walking along, he might walk into somebody's garden. And so I go over and pick him up and I said, you know, don't do that. And then somewhere else, he'd go onto the road. You know, he was about four or five or six. Go onto the road. And I'd pick him up and I said, no, don't go on the road. And then it dawned on me that what I really want is for him to stay on the sidewalk. So instead of saying, don't do this, don't do that. I started phrasing my, uh, positive approach by saying, stay on the sidewalk. And I, I took that, uh, believe it or not. I took that into my football and my coaching and I tried to be, uh, assertive, but assertive in a way that it was a positive approach. And it was it was great. The next year, uh, we ended up, as you say, the Vanier Cup. And then uh, three years after that, '74, um, we won the 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 Vanier Cup again. And uh, actually, coached against uh, a fellow that I went to high school with, Ron Murphy, who was the Toronto varsity coach at that time. But uh, those were all good days, and I still we still keep in touch really the uh, it's almost like uh you know I picked up a whole bunch of new friends and they picked up a friend in uh in the way that the team was approached
0: that positive reinforcement reminds me you know like that's that's so important because my brain doesn't hear the don't part it's like if I'm standing over a uh, lining up a tee shot in golf and there's water in front of me and i might, if i say don't go on the water the brain doesn't hear the yep. don't part <laughs> so I, if i say land on the green land on the green okay so that's yeah. <laughs> that's a much better more effective way to do it i, I like that um, so then you after leaving western after two two uh two venue cups a frank tindle trophy as coach of the year you move on to a bigger challenge at York University, and what prompted you to take on a monumental task like that?
2: Uh, it, well, it it uh, after five years of coaching, <clears throat> I uh,
1: quote retired, and I became the uh, undergraduate coordinator at, at Western in the phys ed department, and I had a phone call from. Uh, fellow at york and said it's opening up down here uh, they're looking for a coach um dave chambers was the guy who called me you might know him he was a coach mm-hmm. with the marley's yeah but he uh so so i said sure i'll, I'll go down and i'll listen so I, I i went down i went through the procedure and coaching football did not come up the whole time and i said oh, oh okay well i I graduated in business administration from Western, and uh, and also took that phys ed course at McMaster. And so, what I wanted to try to do was to take advantage of of those areas. So I I took the job, and uh, in seventy six and seventy seven, the team didn't win a game, and I was under a lot of pressure from the faculty who felt that the physical education program was being um, uh, well people people thought that because football was bad that the physical education program was not a good and it was a great one so i didn't want to drop football on my watch at all so i said well so I decided that I would coach for three years and find out and, and this was in addition to being the, the chair of the department and teaching a course and so on. And I wanted to know for myself what what the problem was. Well, it turned out uh, the first year we, I think, won four games and we got to the playoffs. Uh, Anyways, we have, for York, we had a relatively three years. I think ended up with 12 and 12. Um, but, but we hired a new coach and gradually uh, brought football back to the point where uh, I, I think they're, they're still not there yet, but they're, uh, they're much better and the university supports it tremendously. As it is now, so I'm quite happy that I I listened to myself to see if I could find out what was going on. And even in the the locker room, it was all set up for intramural sports, and there was no no space, like a you know, with lockers on the outside the perimeter of the dressing room, uh, so that the coach could stand in the middle. And address everybody, and kind of an interesting thing. the The, the first uh, first game that we played at at York, uh,
2: first league game in in seventy eight. I at home, I I typed out the Western fight song
1: that every time Western won a football game. They gather after the game was over in the locker room and they they'd sing this song. So I decided to write it all out, but put it in your lyrics. And then uh-huh. that morning, we called uh, a meeting at 10 o'clock for the two o'clock game. And so I handed everybody a piece of paper, sang the opening verse for them, and encouraged them to sing it. Uh, and and I said, we're, we're going to sing this after this game is over. Now, we haven't won a game in two years, and plus the, the training camp. And you know what? We won. <laughs> and so the, the, <laughs> the players normally, they, they couldn't get off the field fast enough because you know people were going to say, what's the matter with you guys and everything like that. This time, we had trouble getting the dressing room because all their, their girlfriends were there and the guys and everything like that. But yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: You know, uh, it, it's we uh, Angela Kios has played for you at York. And when you were inducted into that School's Hall of Fame, this is what uh, Angela had to say about, about you, Frank. Rick, if we can play that
3: clip. When Frank stepped in, he offered the program instant credibility. Two great cup rings. Four great cup appearances. Everywhere he went, you know, success followed him. And he was a man that created energy around him. Then his first year of coaching, he went from an Ofer team to a four and three team. The quality of the individuals that he drew into training camp from high school that year was tenfold what we had. They came in because of the quality of Frank himself. He had integrity in what he did. And he did it in a manner which wasn't forceful. It was soft. And you listened, you followed, you knew he was your protector and he was leading you down the proper path. He gave us personal time that allowed each of us to feel we were significant in the overall outcome and success of the team's achievements. That's not only the players, but that's the other coaches. That's the ball boys. That was everybody around him. Beat Western, and that was the first time that a York team, football team, beat the Mustangs. And we know as the players, and Coach knows this too, that Western cried like babies after they lost that game. That year, he took us to a national ranking, number five. Coach Cosentino coached first two Oaklandians that York ever had. He had 10 of his players drafted into the CFL. He had 32 OUAA All-Stars. He was Coach of the Year his first year at York.
0: That is pretty high praise, eh?
1: Joe, you're going to spoil me. You put all those things on. Yeah, that's... uh, Yeah, Angelo Chiosis was just a number one player, person. Uh, I've got all the respect in the world for him. He's doing a a great job as a travel agent now uh, I've never seen a defensive back uh look at his keys and react as quickly as Angelo did at that time and
2: it, his tackles were just thunderbolts
0: You uh, you talked about Angelo, and he talked about all the players that went through the program and all the players that went on to play in the CFL and the All-Stars and everything else. Uh, uh, Which coach, when you look back, had the biggest effect on you and and teaching you to coach?
2: Oh, well, that...
1: Excuse me, that's a tough question, because I think, as I've already mentioned uh, there, I tried to take what I thought was uh, the best from each of the coaches to practice and the worst of the coaches that uh, I I wouldn't attempt. So I I don't know, like, I think, I think Trimble was kind of a very knowledgeable, but, but he he was uh happy to kind of uh say things out loud that kind of um
2: helped the opposition. You know, like I remember uh Hamilton played Winnipeg for in the Great Cup games of uh sixty-two I think
1: uh it, it, this one where where Trimble was quoted as saying, we'll waffle them and of course that's all the all all the opposition players need is to put that up on the bulletin board and, and that extra uh, extra input into their play.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Sage Se- Se- was uh, uh, very knowledgeable, very controlling, knew uh, his stuff, but you had to do it his way, and. Uh, you know, for example, I, I remember one time—not—not not to, just as a matter of an example, anyways. Um, as I said, uh, Bernie was the quarterback. This I think it was sixty-three, the first sixty-three or sixty-four. Sizel's uh, first and second year, anyways. Bernie took a hit, and went went down on the ground. I got up and I started throwing the football on the sidelines. And Ralph said, who told you to get up? I, 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 I was stunned. I said, well, I, nobody told me. I, I saw Bernie's hurt down there. And if, if I have to go in, I want to go in warmed up. He said, sit down. I'll tell you when to go in. And, you know, that was it. Now, th- that was just the way Ralph was. I don't know what was going on in his mind. But that's something that I I wouldn't uh, pass on. Um, Neil Armstrong was probably the most organized guy, but but still he he uh, wasn't able to get through to his players. I I don't think as much. And Leo, uh, as I mentioned before, he kind of had this this approach of uh, putting the guys on the bandwagon. And show the other people that uh, you're a lot better than they said you were. And then John John Metris was just uh, kind of a father figure. Uh, the year I went there, '56, was my first year there. But my father had died in '53, in and uh, Metris had taken time out to come down uh, when he was recruiting me. Drop over and say hello and and. Uh, uh, so it's it's hard to say they're they're uh all good people but they all approach a problem in a different way
0: the uh you know in in, in 2018 you were inducted in the canadian football hall of fame and uh uh the in the builders category all, although i mean you played you you played at a time when there were 32 roster spots uh, on a team and you not only made the roster spot, but you played and you started, and and, and you you were a great quarterback. Um, but tell us about that experience of being inducted in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know,
1: I, I, I I'm re I think the builders category was where I belonged, uh, and I I think one of the reasons was uh, you know I, I played neighborhood football in Hamilton with the Hamilton Old Boys Minor Association. I went to high school in Hamilton and played at Cathedral High School uh, and came back and played with the Tiger Cats uh, that well. And uh and I had written some books on football. Um and and, and so I, I think uh Category-wise, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be compared with uh,
2: from whatever quarterback, uh, you know, Anthony Cappino. Russ
1: Jackson. Or, yeah, Russ Jackson. In fact, I think uh, Russ has often said, uh, he says, well, I didn't want to get into the position where Cosentino was in over uh, Hamilton where uh, he wasn't really going to get a shot over there. And uh, I kind of silently said thanks, Russ. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I. I uh, so I, I was really happy. I was surprised,
2: um, but but I think when I look at the category of uh, uh, of, of a person who, well, a builder.
1: You know, I I kind of thought of the analogy that builders need uh, mortar and the mortar that held up the bricks was my family upbringing and the fact that uh, I had possibilities that uh, first time in in my family that uh, I might be able to go to to, uh, university. I might be able to get a a, a degree, uh, and a lot of it was because of football and uh, the the idea of my family being something that gave me the impetus. You know, my my parents were immigrants who came over, uh, 1924, 25, my mother in twenty nine, and uh, they they left their you know Italian heritage. To uh, have opportunities for us as children, and I wanted to try to take advantage of that, and and so being a builder, I think uh, you know <laughs> I, I got the old. Uh, I remember in Toronto one time I saw this quote: the, uh, the Italians came over as uh, immigrants who helped build the city, and today they own it type of thing, but. <laughs> it, yeah, it it, uh, it it was something I'm, I'm very thankful of and very pleased about, and uh, try to live up to if I can.
0: Uh, okay, so Frank, our producer Vic has asked if you can slide over to your left just a smidge because you're you're facing. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so now I want to talk about your 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 book uh, penmanship. Uh, you've written four books, uh, on the CFL, 18 books in total. And, uh, but you covered the CFL incredibly well from 1909 until today. I just finished reading, uh, home again, Canadian football from 1994 to 2014. I just, I, I I forgot how much had happened in those, you know, 20 some years, 20, 21 years, whatever it was. Uh, but we, you started with the U S expansion and, and it was like, it was crazy. Uh, uh, Baltimore was a huge success story, but you also had Birmingham Barracudas, Memphis Showboats, San Antonio, Texas, Las Vegas Posse. Uh, well-heeled ownership, big stadiums, appetite for pro pro football. It seems like in some ways it should have worked, but it didn't. Uh, well, what What do you think happened uh, with, with with the U.S. expansion?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> incidentally, I'm
1: uh, on the sequel of that. Uh, and hope to bring it out within two years. But um, I, I think the reason why the- Larry Smith wanted to go to the States was financial. Um, they just weren't drawing crowds. Uh,
2: they couldn't keep up with what was going on. But I think, I think the thing that happened really is uh, you couldn't compete with the NFL and And minor football
1: football, which isn't the NFL, no matter what the league is, is, is not going to be accepted, whether it's the XL, the United League, and you know they they, they simply people simply are in love
2: with the NFL and uh, and they, they the Canadian game that was coming
1: down. <clears throat> It had a whole bunch of things going for them because uh,
2: uh, nobody knew their personnel
1: other than uh, some of the Americans uh, were recognized because they had gone to an American school. But but I I think the crowds uh, and there and there were there were gaffes too. Uh, Las Vegas had a team and they, they I think as you might recall the. the Sang the uh, Canadian national anthem. Oh yes, got the words and the song as they were going along.
2: Uh, but but eventually, a good thing did come out of it. And you mentioned the Baltimore uh,
1: Stallions at that time, because uh, you remember that Montreal had dropped out of the league, and uh, Ottawa had was on its way out. But Baltimore came up and and really became the Montreal franchise, and uh, they they won. Mother well, Anthony Cavillo and uh, uh, his gang came came up and and eventually uh, they 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 were the major team for about ten years. I think uh, when they came up. And fans from Baltimore, you know, I think you recall that the uh, Baltimore Colts had been moved in the middle of the night from Baltimore over to Indianapolis, and uh, the fans were really upset. And and when the when the Baltimore Stallions, and they couldn't they couldn't use uh, the Colts name because there was a Um,
2: Mm.
1: it it was taken so uh, but the the, the crowds they had were 50 to 55 uh, 50,000 people sometimes 36,000 people everything like that
2: and and it pointed out to the NFL that uh, they
1: wanted to have that market back again so they eventually had a uh another team that they brought in uh, started off with and that's why the Baltimore Stallions had to come Ravens. Uh, yeah. yeah you know, so, right. Uh but it it was uh it, you know uh it was something I guess that the league had to do uh because they might get some money from the franchises that were created. And uh it it Kind of at least gave them another pedestal to get onto and to rebuild. And uh, CFL is always always seems to be at a point where they have to try to uh, um, be creative and be more entertaining. And even these days, there are polls going out and saying that's that's what they have to do to 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 bring in uh, more fans. Uh, to compete with, you know, basketball, with baseball, uh, all those hot in the maple leaves and everything like that.
0: What uh, when you when all said and done, what would you say that the American expansion uh, experiment did for the CFL? Was it uh, did it hurt the league? Did it help the league? Did it save the league, or did it almost kill the league? Where where, where, where would you stand on that?
1: Yeah, I, I I think a little bit of all of those, Joe. It, I think at first it uh, it hurt the league, um, and then as uh, the novelty came along,
2: uh, you, you remember they uh, Baltimore ended up winning the Grey Cup, uh, and and is as, as the only American team that has ever won the
1: the breakup. But but I think they gave back what they got. Uh, they you know, the Baltimore people got their game back with the new franchise. The old franchise, uh the Baltimore for Life team or the Baltimore Stallions, however they were called, uh were were brought up to Montreal and made the league
2: stronger at that point and uh so i think it was a little win-win all the way around
0: you know in your book you talk about some crazy times i mean there was a commissioner roller coaster going on there uh uh there was uh, the, and, and you know in and out and and larry smith and then uh then it was uh uh, uh mike lisco and then uh Tom Wright and, and then Mark Cohen, uh, tell us a little bit briefly. Uh, I mean, it touched a lot on the book, because I, I highly recommend you read anybody read who's watching reads the book because there's so much cool information in there. But tell us your sort of thoughts on that 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 wild ride the CFL was on in terms of the uh, yeah. you know, Commissioner Dejour. Yeah, that, that's 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 a good point, and I I
2: think.
1: Personally, this is just a personal opinion. Is that um, normally when the commissioner was formed, uh, whether it's Jake Goddard in football
2: or uh, an American baseball commissioner, he, he was an Boy arbiter. Or, yeah, and yeah. wasn't really. Uh, Doing policy
1: or anything like that, he, he tried to make sure that things um, were going well and nobody was uh, nobody was hogging the the spotlight or anything like
2: that. And I think somewhere along, you know, maybe it was. Uh, I think it was in the mid mid sixties, probably
1: the. the uh, where where Godar was just winding down, uh, I think the owners started thinking that, hey, um, you know, we're businessmen and we should be doing things for ourselves uh, as well as for the public. And the, the commissioner was looked at as someone who could find a way to bring more revenue in um based on new ideas and things like that 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 he had like i'm sure that that's what larry smith was up against he had to take the american expansion and uh and be able to justify that by saying well they saved our bacon because they they brought new teams in they brought uh money from franchise fees and things like that um and i and i think too even today uh the commissioner is is going through a a a lot of balls in the air really uh you know that all the european and uh european countries that play football and uh want to be part of uh cfl 2.0 type of thing uh that it's it's again they're they're doing it uh to expand football uh television is a huge operation now uh the the nfl has so much money coming in
2: from television rates that by contrast hamilton isn't able to
1: do, or Canada isn't able to do that. And case in point, well, you were with CTV for a long time, um, but there's only one, there's TSN does a great job, uh, no complaints at all. But I think somehow if you watch an American NFL game, uh, the games are being carried by Fox News, by uh, NBC, by CBS, by ESPN, at the same time, um, different different NFL teams. And wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, we could get CTV, Global, CBC, independence also part of the package when TSN uh, is maybe taking the game of the of the night type of thing. But, but to their credit, TSN is paying substantially a, a good amount of money. That uh, if if they were able to bring that revenue that TSN is paying from other uh, other networks, I think it would be a great thing, and it would be a savior for uh, the CFL.
0: Like uh, yeah, if Sportsnet was to sort of take a take a piece, take a package as well, because you know, in in the summer they have baseball, but uh, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity for you know to put it on one of the Sportsnet channels anyway, because it's kind of come down to TSN and Sportsnet in terms of uh, you know, all those CBCs could would would be able to find room for it, I'm sure. Just uh, for them, it might come down to the to the to the money. But it could be yeah. a real money maker. Who knows? Um, so yeah. um, I'm, if I'm looking at the stints of the commissioners, um, Mark Cohan seems to have done pretty well uh, when he was running the show. And when you talked about the commissioner's job kind of became, it sounds like a marketing position. Uh, but at the same time, the owners wanted that marketing guy to basically do their bidding. Like you know, so then you've got different commissioner, or sorry, different owners with with different objectives and different uh, you know, so they want to do have the commissioner doing different things, and it's hard for any anybody to have to jump through all those hoops. So it seems to me, like by reading your book, what I what I got from Mark Cohen was he was able to become that sin, single voice and is able to tell everybody, "Shut up, I'm speaking for the CFL." this is how how it's going to come down, and he was able to to uh, to achieve that which uh, the previous commissioners weren't
2: yeah you know i i i think you're right and uh, um,
1: just before going i i neglected saying sports in it as part of that package that is necessary as well but kohan um he had two pretty good terms and 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 i think he was basically a marketer Uh, but at the same time if if you got the commissioner being
2: a marketer uh, and i guess that's what the cfl wanted that means that uh,
1: there's there's time that he's giving up from being quote a commissioner uh, that is looking at a league in a wider scope than than just marketing, but
2: marketing is important. And 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 I know. Uh, well, he he, I think when he
1: got out, um, I shouldn't say it, but when he when you decided decided <coughs> missioner again. Um, I I think he would be happy with the job he had done and uh passed on
2: something that uh uh i guess the league when they well the league wasn't quite sure of of how their new commissioner was going to act
1: Um, Mm -hmm. but it's a tough position I, i don't have all the answers on it really
0: Right. Well, the, the book touches on so many things and it's like, uh, you know, the the league has shot itself in the foot numerous times over the years, but, but still we look and we see that, you know, 5.8 million people watching the game in, in 2012, uh, you know, uh, 3.65 uh, million viewers a couple of years before that. And a couple of years before that, I mean, we've had consistently, uh, you know the the league continues the league continues to uh uh you know draw those crazy great numbers from 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 coast to coast year after year after year. Tell me what do you think your your analysis of where the league is and, and would you say that they're in good shape now could be better where where are you at with that I
2: think personally they're in excellent shape right now uh you've
1: got Two good owners that just joined them out in British Columbia and
2: uh, Montreal. Um, Hamilton, I think is, uh, uh, well, with
1: the new Tim Hortons Stadium and uh, the Hall of Fame being established there as well. Uh, Tim Hortons Field, I should say. Uh, I, I think as always, uh, Toronto is, uh, the major concern at the moment but i think at the same time i think there's room in uh the entertainment area uh, you know the group that owns the leafs and uh argos and <clears throat> um MLSC,
2: the yeah. Soccer
1: yeah i I, th- I think there's there's room i think uh clemens gives them a lot of stability I, I think uh, Jim Barker um, is, has been through this before, and has some good ideas. Um, and and Dinwiddie, I, I think, did a, a a good job of coaching last year. Uh, they, they've, they've got to figure out some way to bring the Argo um, attendance, basically, up to scratch because. Uh, know there was a time you probably remember I mean there was a time when I when I was playing in 69 in in Toronto we were getting crowds of uh, 55 56 thousand people at that time at the exhibition stadium and uh, and then gradually you know the competition has come up the uh, baseball and then basketball and then soccer now and the Leafs have always been there and uh, there's There's only so much disposable income that people have that they can't take everything in, and so a lot of them I think have cut out the Argos um, but they've they've hung their hat on you know something else that's going on at that time so it's some of these uh every every poll I've seen after a great cup game. Is with those figures that you mentioned before, they're, they're uh, superb. The uh, the Grey Cup uh, is the, the magnet that that all the teams can attract to, and somehow they've got to create that aura of a Grey Cup with playoffs and seniors and uh, finalists and you know games. Each game has to be looked at as an event, I think, that uh, is going to be attracting people. And uh, they'll eventually get to it, um, whether it'll be in time or not, I don't know. But, it, but it's a great sport and a great game, and, and that will always come through.
0: You know, it is a great game. And that came through for me again when I reread it. Uh, you know, when I read this, finished reading this book, it was like uh, Home Again Canadian Football from 1994 uh, to 2014. Great book, Frank. And I just want to, before we leave, I, I wanted to uh, touch on your, your most recently released book. It's not CFL related, but it's, it's called Ted Reeve, The Bart of the Beach. Tell us a little bit about this book.
1: Well, I, I think you're probably in, in tune with. Uh... Uh, let me see, Ted Reeve was a sports writer with the Toronto Telegram, which went under uh, 1979 to 80 there. And and <clears throat> the owners gave him his own uh, column. And uh, so he was free to write whatever he wanted. And he had a unique way of writing because he uh, introduced poems and poetry and, uh, uh, in into his story, and uh, and not only that, he played uh, football with Palmy Beach, started the team, and uh, one of his stories, he kicked off with uh, a little poem. He said, when I was young and in my prime, I used to block punts all the time, but now that I am old and gray, I only do it once a day. That, and then he went on, and that, that was in monday's paper and then on the saturday what had happened was he had dislocated shoulder a broken rib uh he was on the bench all dressed and the, he kept telling the coach bring let me in let me in let me in and the coach said no not me and so eventually he said well heck with you i'm running in so i'm in. he went in there and uh Blocked a field goal or blocked a punt, and uh, and ended up uh, leading the team to a Grey Cup win. Uh, so I think so. I think that was nineteen thirty. But <clears throat> but he did all these he did all these things. He uh, had all these different uh, aliases. Uh, you
2: know,
1: uh, uh, well. <laughs> You'll <clears throat> have to uh, tie it in with Palm Beach and all the uh, figures Foley and Alice Snipper Snapper and all these uh, people who, uh, from their perspective, covered a sporting event and uh, the people just uh, were thrilled with him as uh, he eventually ended up with the Toronto Sun when the when the uh, when the telegram was telegram. Yeah, when they, they they were sold, and the sun started. But uh, great
2: guy.
0: Well, you, you, you know, uh, get, uh, Paul Pass. Yes,
2: yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the the, uh, the the book. Well, bit of, uh, the book is available
1: through uh, Lulu dot com or through uh, my website valleyoldtimers.com. dot com.
0: All right. Thank you, Frank. we looked look that up. And also, our, our um, Paul Pascu, who who provides uh, uh, a lot of our video, uh, he also recommended Hockey Gods at the Summit, about the 72 Canada-Russia series, which you wrote. I mean, so I mean, you've got a lot – you cover a lot of area here, Frank. And, and definitely, uh, the uh, Bar to the Beach, Ted Reed, Bar to the Beach, is, is the book that I'm reading next, so I'm looking forward to that. I want to say, Frank, it, it's been awesome having you on the show. Um uh, as a guest on Joe Tilly's what do we got here, Rick? No, Western fight song. Uh,
1: oh that, uh, well you <clears throat> I should have mentioned that, you know, when I was uh, when I was uh, teaching at York the first year <clears throat> I was coaching. And I was doing history at uh, on my PhD at Alberta. Anyways, I came across this uh, "Hail the Conquering Heroes Come," that uh, when people went into a, uh, an event and they won, uh, and they were met with a band that played this uh, song from Judas Maccabeus, an opera, and uh, and so I liked it so much that. I went to the band the western band before our, our season started in 1970 and I asked them whether they could play that when the we were coming out of the dressing room and uh so they picked it up and uh I think they're still playing it to this time but uh when you mentioned the school band uh it, the, I you know I I can't say the song goes, <says> Just like that, but um, but it was it was a nice touch, nice touch, and I enjoyed doing it.
0: Frank, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure, and absolutely for me, and and I'm sure all of all the folks watching will really enjoy this as well. As a, as a guest on Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show, we have some. Uh, Great clothing for you from Classic Imports. And uh, so we'll hook you up with, the, with our buddy, Jeff. And Frank, uh, thanks again. And, and it, it's been a pleasure. Joe,
1: thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I hope I wasn't too long-winded. But uh, you're a great guy. And it was a pleasure to be on the show with you.
0: Well, we, it's stories we, we love to hear. And I thank you, Frank. And, and, and don't worry about that. Okay, we got some more sports when we come back. Thank you, Frank. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line, imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. Hey, this is Tommy Grazley, a.k.a. Tommy Gunn. I love two things music and sports and when i want sports i go to the joe tilly show he gives me everything i want it's a great show check it out for yourself joe tilly sports coming up good night when i'm working out i like to wear my joe tilly's great canadian sports show t-shirt it makes me feel handsome and strong if you want a t-shirt for the show, click on the link below. Now, back to my workout. Uh,
1: 1761,
0: 1762, 1763, 1764. Addiction Rehab Toronto. Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living and lifetime aftercare all in one place our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity respect and purpose let us help save your life or your loved one's life call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com. And check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing. Year round. Go to HPIbet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's HPIbet.com. Slow play. It's a slippery slope. First, you go looking for that lost ball, and then everything goes sideways. There are a lot of golfers on the course. Make certain of your point of entry. Look quickly and move on. Remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Find anything, Bob? Not yet. Visit moregolf.ca. You'll find everything a golfer could need, from balls, gloves, and clubs, to custom fitting opportunities, training gear, and more. When you go to moregolf.ca to log in and make your final purchase, Don't forget to enter promo code JTSports to get $20 off. Go to moregolf.ca today. Yes, once again, it's time for my Cosa Swiss pick of the week. Last week, I went to Mohawk for the $42,000 final of the Ontario Girls Pacing Series for four year old Mares. to Village Jade at nine to one. Couldn't quite find a racing room down the stretch. Once again, a terrific battle between the two favorites, Awesome Hill and Just Daisy. And it was Just Daisy, just getting it done. Chris Christopherou driving for owner trainer Terry Fritz, 154 and three. Village Jade was right there. I did get the exact this, so it cost me 10 bucks for the race. This week, I'm going to the ninth race of Mohawk Thursday night. I'll take the number seven horse, Silent Crossing, with Philip Hudon in the buggy. Uh, pace for Phillies and Mares. She almost went wire to wire last week, just missed out on the W, and I'll also go with the 247 one dollar exact the box for all the racing updates visit cosa tv on instagram twitter and facebook go to hpibet.com for your wagering options time now for the rycom wrap sports news that's close to home wow so much for taking advantage of the easy part of the schedule uh for the second time in 11 days, the Maple Leafs gave up five goals in a loss to the Buffalo Sabres, who had the second worst win percentage in the conference coming in. A great scene outdoors at Tim Horton Field in Hamilton. Wonderful day for some shinny. Austin Matthews notched his 45th goal, but he also earned a two game suspension for cross checking Rasmus Dalin in the neck. Can't do that, Austin. The Sabres got a couple bounces, and it's a 5-2 loss. Their fourth loss in six games. The goaltending has not been great defensively. There are issues. It'll be interesting to see what Kyle Dubas chooses to do as we head down the stretch. Well, after three straight losses, two of those against very terrible teams, the Raps, well, they got back on track, didn't they? What a difference having all-star guard. Fred Van Vliet back in the fold. They rolled over the Jazz in convincing fashion. Then they sauntered into Phoenix and bounced the league-leading Suns 117-110 to Gary Trent Jr. with a career-high 42 points to pace the Dinos. They followed that up by knocking off the Nuggets in Denver. Pascal Siakam with a 33-point night. And then they took care of business against Bron Bron and the Lake Show right at the Staples Center. Really great job there by Scotty Barnes on LeBron James. The Raptors are looking good, folks. The Jays have decided to add another arm to that very solid rotation. They signed veteran lefty Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year deal worth $36 million. Kikuchi, who will be 31 in June, had nine solid years in Japan before joining the Mariners in 2019. His results there were so-so. Last year, he went 7-9 with a 4.418, but he faded in the stretch. He was actually an all-star. Uh, Toronto Rock made their way to the left coast this week, and it was a productive trip. BC native Adam Jay was looking to get the job done in front of family and friends. Jay with the sweet goal. Did the Rock a six-goal lead? Rob Hellier found his groove. Wicked drive by Hellier. Hellier with five goals and four assists. And they kept it coming. TD Ireland with his first NLL goal. The Rock ripped the Warriors 14-5. They improved to 8-4. and And it's a bye week. They're home to Georgia on March 26. Toronto FC, well, they're still looking for their first win, heading into a weekend date with D.C. United. Reds came up just shy against Columbus. Jesus Jimenez gave FC the early lead, but the Columbus crew came back to win it 2-1. to the Paralympics wrapped up in Beijing, and Canada did extremely well. We had to settle for silver. in men's sled hockey, losing to the U.S. 5-0 in the final. But overall, it was a terrific uh, tournament for Canada. They earned eight gold medals, 31 overall, to finish third in the medals. Great job, guys. Uh, Brooke Henderson won her, won, uh, was on her game at the Honda LPGA Classic in Thailand. The 22-year-old Canadian rallied to finish tied for fourth, the event was won by uh, Nana kortz Madsen of Denmark. Now let's see what uh, the sh- best shot of the week from El Tigre was, shall we? Oh,
2: God damn
0: I'm it. Four! So. Yeah! Wow. Did you see that? Some golfers just don't want to take a stroke, so they'll slide out of the water. Woo! <laughs> Today's environmental tip, use fewer plastic bags. Plastic bags are made from fossil fuels and that has a negative impact on the climate. Drains clogged with plastic waste can contribute to major flooding. Plastic bags harm wildlife in numerous ways. They may ingest the plastic or animals can get tangled in discarded plastic. RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions. For public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up. Smart tech solutions, the latest in fault locating, base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions. At RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future and a carbon-free economy. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great people. I highly recommend them all. A reminder, the show is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast, as well as the English Network and Zingo TV. Also, please like and subscribe to the show to you on YouTube. It's free. And all of our great past shows are on there, so have a look on YouTube. Once again, thanks to Frank Calcentino for being on the show. It was great to have him here, one of my childhood heroes. Thank you for watching. Join us next week when Dan O'Toole joins the program. We'll see you then. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by... Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30 minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did 905-686-5678. Do you wanna buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to over-promise and over-deliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit getaldo.com. Brought to you by MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the needs of our clients in the private, public, and non-for-profit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to doing business and personalized strategies to help people and organizations succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Toronto, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, our team is here to support you. Visit MNP.ca to learn more.